All right. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us tonight. I'm Liz, joined with my co-host Vanessa, and we are Latin Extra. Tonight we are joined with my good friend Damien. Damien is a cosplayer, artist, and content creator. Hello, Damien. We are also joined with another good friend of mine, also another fellow artist, a fashion designer of their own independent non-binary themswear clothing company, Faustian Designs. Please welcome Faust. And tonight we are talking about part two of machismo and toxic masculinity. Thank you for joining us tonight. Hello, everyone. Thank Uh, you for having me. I love you and I miss you. (laughs) Hey, happy to be here. Did you, so you already did part one. So Mm -hmm. do you have, I guess you have a better idea of where you want to take the conversation here, right? Yeah, from our last conversation, uh, we talked a lot about how toxic masculinity and machismo affects us being raised in cultures where how our fathers treat us, how the dynamics and navigating Latinidad spaces. um, We wanted to also touch on that from coming from a place of how being assigned male at birth or from how it's in POC, being a POC in white centered spaces when it comes to like cosplaying or just how machismo is uh, something that also impacts like colorism in like our spaces and how, if anyone wants to share those experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we also covered topics of, um, we only had the the hyper-focus of us as being white passing femmes and we also as femmes and so we were ascended birth as femmes so um we wanted to like liz was saying we wanted to have the perspective of queer non-binary uh androgynous uh people of color who had the same type of upbringing in their family when it comes to like latinx cultures and the navigation and the education you learned on your way of becoming who you are uh, who you were meant to be, mm-hmm. uh, but what stifled you during that uh, process of, you know, realizing who you were, and if you saw any setbacks, if you saw any problems, if you saw and you recognized any um, things that basically hindered you from celebrating who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well I definitely first. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely have like a couple decades of uh, anecdotes that are specifically growing up Latin and queer in a predominantly white community. Mm -hmm. Um, And I definitely have uh, the like assigned male at birth perspective on my childhood. Sure. Uh, But like, again, that's like, 20 years of living with the parents and 20 years of anecdotes. So like, I guess uh, uh, if I get a better idea of like where the conversation's going, I'll probably have a better idea of like what to share. Sure. So I would say that at least from my perspective, it's truly your anecdotal experience because you're a real person in a community, in a space that is observant and is you know cognitive of what's going on um and it is just a story to share 
it's like speak your truth kind of space you know totally take it to a level where you feel comfortable sharing something and it also can relate to other people and whoever's listening or whoever's in the community or whoever has been in your shoes you know yeah because one of the talking points we brought up was regardless of being raised latinidad uh there's always this dynamic of the the man in the dynamic is the provider and even in good intentions there's almost an element i mean there is an element of toxic masculinity in this idea of you have to be the provider you have to be somebody who can't show softness we brought up that there's such a radical softness in being now a lot more fathers are being more mindful to how they are in those families how they're raising their sons how they're showing uh, softness, like soft poppies being like, I need to hug my kids. I need to touch my kids. I need to really be there for them versus this idea of any types of uh, emotion is considered effeminate and therefore looked down upon and being even considered effeminate or soft in queer culture is still something that's frowned upon in being assigned male at birth. And that's just from what I've gathered. That's not my lived experience, but it's just something that I've noticed particularly as something that um, in a lot of black and brown culture, when you're considered emotional or quote unquote effeminate, it's immediately, well, are they gay? And they might even not be like, it's not inherently uh, coined as queer to be, to be emotional or to show emotion at all, but somehow it still is uh, clocked that way. All right, um, then I, I, I'll just take this jumping off point. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm gonna be stumbling a lot, apparently. I will say that I consider my own experience sort of lucky in the sense that my father was someone who uh, was very open with the I love yous, very open with the hugging, very open with like all his emotions. Um, he also had me, well, like my mom had me, but when I was born, he was 51 mm -hmm. already. He had already raised two kids to adulthood. Like he had put his time in as a parent. So how he was in his prime was wildly different than how he was when he raised me because mm -hmm. by the time I was in the picture he two years after I was born he was already a grandfather Ugh. yeah um <laughs> there's a big age difference in yeah such a way where you can view how raising people would be you know and so I'm sure it's uh it's just something kind of wild to experience because it sounded like you were a baby you know and then oh, dad, for sure grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> um and that that had its own entirely separate list of uh not i guess like controversies drama if we want to bring it back to 2009 sure um yeah. <laughs> but uh he did raise me with a softer hand, but he was also, this is weird to say, um, he was emotional almost to his own detriment. Okay. 
Um, Because in addition to being open with his own emotions, which was fine, he also drank a bit, which Mm. was less so. And when you're drinking and being open and like open with your emotions, it's not always a healthy dynamic. Well, in particular, like any sort of uh, drunken emotional revelation isn't really going to mean quite as much. Uh, But my parents divorced early on. I was like four when they separated and six when the divorce actually went through. Um, And so he would be drunk and feel vulnerable and talk about how much he missed my mom except he's the one who missed that entire thing up we don't need to go into like the specifics of the story that's not really my story to tell um but it was enough that i was witness to it and understood that he had no reason to be so upset about being so alone that he kind of brought that on himself so it actually ended up making me for the longest time have an issue with men who expressed sadness when men cried in front of me I always took it as uh crocodile tears um it because that's what my first experience with male tears was it was almost manipulative the way that he would cry and it was like no you can't you can't be this upset over something you did yourself like especially as someone who was directly uh affected by uh his actions and behaviors prior to i was like i i remember like why you split up but i don't i don't have any sympathy for you so it took forever for me to realize that, like, <laughs> that uh, male tears can, in fact, be genuine um, uh, for the longest time. Even to this day, I hate crying. Mm-hmm. It, like, it's to the point where even if I know I have to cry, I can't make myself do it. Like, it's just got to sort of hit that pressure level where, like, it just releases Um, but like, I have mental blocks on like actually crying or showing any type of emotion because I didn't want to come across as being the same type of manipulative. I didn't like, I thought that if I was showing any type of extreme negative emotion, that it was going to be perceived as like, uh, manipulating the situation to my own ends um it sounded like you are at least what it, my perspective is it sounds like your uh dad set type of an example like a blueprint mm-hmm. for you to see how other mass presenting or male identifying people behave when they cry mm-hmm. and you know you put it on yourself to be like well he cried and it was fake because he's the one that up you know Mm -hmm. And maybe he also kind of 
transformed or ma manipulated the situation to make it seem like he wasn't the one that up and he's like crying and you should feel bad for him because eh. and it's like that whole world is such a mind because then you start to kind of like look at other people like cis men or you know anyone who's male presenting and you're just like why are you crying you're a liar you know like right. going to reflect back to your parents and right. um you know listen therapy exists because parents up so <laughs> amen oh amen. my god yeah <laughs> therapist, honey they would never get a check if it wasn't for parents Hashtag trauma. Yeah. <laughs> the, the trauma generation the trauma is so real <laughs> you Latinx families, they're like what do you mean? I'm gonna give you something to cry about, and then you're like, "Damn!" Yo. Can I do that? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, of course, like therapy. I wish was more accessible in so many ways, and it's absolutely. So and it's so trap. Like we all know, the U.S. healthcare system is oh my god, so our healthcare bad. system is a hot mess. It's caca on a bag that's wet. Yeah, so it's just like <laughs> <laughs> not. And we can't even pick it up. We just mm -mm. have to leave it there until it dries. And it's so bad. And it never, I don't think in our lifetime, which is unfortunate, and maybe I'm nihilistic, I don't know. But I don't think it's going to show up for us when we're older, you know? <laughs> like, it's just so moving at a snail pace for people who really need it, for marginalized communities, for POC, Black folks. Like, not, let's not even touch the topic of trans people because mm -hmm. they're never going to be there well let me not say never but anyway they will rarely get the accessibility to the health they need for them to be safe and healthy and all that stuff oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah if you go too far down the rabbit hole it all ends up uh heading to the same same place um, <laughs> but um specifically on the uh on the topic of machismo like i look at uh say my uh cousins mm -hmm. who are closer in age to me anywhere between like mid 30s up to like late 50s because um, again, all my DOCTS are the same age as my dad. Um, but <laughs> um, it, it, yeah, it was wild growing up. It was basically like having 11 grandparents. Oh my gosh. Um, well, because what I, is my what dad is, is <laughs> my dad is one of nine. My God. Oh. oh my God. And then, uh, Wait, I also wait. had my abuelo y abuela. Of course. Um, okay, we got to break this down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, hold on, I need, I need the chart. Dude, I need a the chart. family tree. I need a little bit. I need a blueprint. Yeah, like, my... was, there, <laughs> was there a connection? So, because you have so many extend, extended family members, which are like Theos and Fias, but like, were there ones that you didn't really like? 
connect with and were there ones that you did connect with so because i was raised off the island i never really got too strong a connection with anyone who stayed on the island but uh it matters so little with my family like i go back to puerto rico and they all like are just excited to see me they all give me a bunch of hugs and kisses um it doesn't like and i'm on first name basis with my aunts and uncles like that they've been around for my entire existence but like there's second cousins third cousins that i'm just like i definitely recognize your face but i don't remember your name and it's like it's a different dynamic because like i'm the one cousin that's like off in uh pa like that comes back to visit so like it's one name versus remembering like 30 40 names like i'm not Theos and Theas. Well, eight. Eight. <laughs> yeah, because my dad is one of nine. So I had four uncles and four aunts. And then my dad was there. <laughs> That's so many people. I have, have, I have class, 15. <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> you think that's a lot? I have a well, lot. We were at the first. Well, also, like, it, it's a farming family. Like, that's what you did in the 30s. You mm-hmm. had a farm. You had a bunch of kids to help take care of the farm. Like that You need to stop, you know? You just kept going. <laughs> they're also, <laughs> they're Puerto Rican. They're Catholics. Like, the, I know. Contra- contraception. Like, we, that, that's oh, we all have a colonial, colonialized countries that have dominant Catholic religions. And yeah, oh. they do not, they do not pull out. They do not use contraceptive. <laughs> that pool out what's that mean yeah also like, <laughs> i remember when uh when we were at the first uh chapter of machismo mm-hmm. uh, erica was like you have how many like my dad was like S- uh, maybe the fourth out of seven siblings and then they were like you know and i'm like well that because this dominican republic they're just like we're on a mountain like i don't know <laughs> there's nothing else <laughs> yeah. to do nothing else to do I gotta find my chickens tomorrow because they keep leaving the fence. You know, like I this is and we're gonna have sex. And then there's no like there's no really uh connection to birth control or like women's health that's so accessible. Well, and the- then again also 30s. Religion. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 30s, 40s. Yeah, he was born in 40. My dad was born in 48, and his sisters were born in like 38 or something. I don't know. But I yeah, it's it, it. I wish a lot more people remember how you know Latinx families have been kind of the last thoughted place to mm-hmm. have the accessibility to certain health cares and the science breakthroughs and things like that to protect women or uh, queer children because they weren't seen that way in that time. Mm-hmm. Um, they were still perceived as like you know male or female there wasn't like any non-binary there wasn't any trans there wasn't any type of figure to really or they just didn't want to find it you know because and, our ancestors have those artistic sculptures paintings uh certain things that are kind of like non-binary but they really didn't talk much about trans folks either well and i i 
I don't know about y'all, but when I was uh, in young adulthood, I started getting much more curious about the Taino, the indigenous people on Puerto Rico before mm -hmm. the place was colonized. Um, and I looked into gender roles and like how how everything was mapped out in that sense before the Spanish came and that there wasn't much of a reason for them to make specific rules like that mm. like um family lineage was matrilineal um but and then like for the most part men went hunting women were farmers but if someone fit a different role better, they just did that. Yeah. Like, there was no hard set rules on, there was no hard set rules on sexuality. There were no hard set rules on uh, what job you were going to take for the community. Like what you were best at, what you were like suited for, like that's just what you did. And like, so long as you were providing to the community and helping out, like that was pretty much all you needed to do but like yeah. it, it it was much more pragmatic than like making it this ideology because uh, a lot of the issues that I've had with my father have been faith-based okay um and that's specifically like and it's also the only time that he would ever really pull the machismo shit, like do the deep roaring voice, like uh, have a threatening posture. Like uh, it was when I was deviating from like the Catholic path, which was inevitable if you've met me. <laughs> like inevitable for all yeah. of us. <laughs> I mean, hello. <laughs> Hi, like, uh, are you gay? Because I'm gay. What's up? <laughs> like, when I was 12, I started uh, getting books on Wicca. And uh, my okay. dad found them in my backpack, <laughs> which, why you in my backpack? Mm -hmm. um, in your backpack, yeah. What is he doing? Because you don't have privacy when you're 12. Like, is it right? No. But is it something that we all dealt with? Yes. Um, but, uh, and like, that's the worst thing, right? It's not like I was getting prescription pills from friends at school. I wasn't like getting into anything nasty. I was exploring my own personal faith because at 12, I was like, well, I don't know what I'm into religiously, but like, I know that this christian thing seems to be a little hypocritical so mm -hmm. uh i at least should look around do my shopping do yeah. a little research but uh that one was too close to witchcraft and so he like just took my books like it was like 50 dollars worth of books so like three books um oh. and just <laughs> yeah uh and just but like that's that's a lot of money for a 12 year old that spent yeah, yeah absolutely money on you don't have a job a lot right wait wait, yeah. wait, wait wait we're 12 and we have 50 dollars i mean i had an allowance uh, <laughs> well, i don't even know what that is <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't have one i worked at <laughs> <laughs> no um so 
when I was with my when I was with my mom, uh, <laughs> she's white. I feel like I don't need to say that when I'm saying I got an allowance. But <laughs> I was like, um, I, I was like, because <laughs> yeah, she's like, but, <laughs> I would I would do chores for the house. Yes. Yeah, I would help clean the house, and then at the end of the week, I would get three dollars. And I clean the house for free. And I will get beatings with my cleanings. So. <laughs> and if you don't do it right, they wake you uh, up in the I'm, night. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Well, oh luckily, Mama Legs knew about positive reinforcement. And here we are. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> who do you think took me shopping for the Wicca books? Um, oh. Where did you go? Yeah. So let's talk about the Wicca books. All right. So where did you go to figure out that you wanted to have this literature in your life? Like you're so young, you're 12. How did you figure out, like, I want to kind of explore different, I guess, uh, spirits or practices. So, uh, around the same time I had told my mom that I didn't think I believed in God and Jesus the way the rest of our family did and she was like oh good that means we don't need to go to mass on Christmas or Easter anymore I love I'm I'm, honestly the longest two I was crowded we're going to McDonald's and we're gonna she she kept going during the holiday holidays just because she didn't want to deprive me because she was like listen religion can do wonderful things for people I just it wasn't for me so she waited for me to make my own decision and then uh when I told her that she was like okay well that works out for me because I freaking hate going to mass so we're golden we're square um but uh it was also the same year that I decided I wanted to be a fashion designer it was like I don't I don't know what it was but I happen to be particularly self-aware for a 12 year old. Um, so I just, yeah. I uh, decided I wanted to go with something that I guess just had my interest, like it caught my eye and I was like, I want to explore it. Today I am not Wicca, but I deserved the right to be able to like research and look into it and make that choice for myself absolutely um so and I mean I am pagan but like it's different different branch um but he took those books and he put them he stored them up high in a closet that I couldn't reach and didn't let me have it until my mom intervened on Mm -hmm. my behalf uh prior to this when I was like six seven eight years old somewhere in that like early grades um first but... of all <laughs> I think that you remembering your like eight or seven year old experience is very impressive because everything is a blur in my in my brain <laughs> and it's not like I was like I mean like we were raised I feel like us as queer people have been raised like why are you broken like they shake you and they're like why are you messed up and you're just like i don't know i just like people (laughs) (laughs) but i don't i have this like my brain does this thing where it kind of blocks all that and all i remember is being like i'm queer like he was just like (laughs) 
didn't work in a sense where it was um a step-by-step procedure it was like maybe i like people i don't know i just remember being like i just want to explore bodies and it wasn't any kind of uh uh, like, uh, I guess a catalyst or something that could like push you into it. Yeah. Um, I don't, I, yeah. I don't think I remember any point where I was, uh, made aware significantly until the point where I was actually ready to come out. Mm-hmm. But I knew prior to coming out that I was queer. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that, I knew that I wasn't a boy I knew that I wasn't straight um and I just didn't have the language or capacity to like uh actually send that message out until I was a teenager and then later a full-grown adult 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 full-grown adult I think that's something also I wanted to touch on because are are all four of us not fully fluent in spanish or Don't speak for yourself are you fluent <laughs> yes okay. read, i can read write and speak let's not do I, this <laughs> but one of the things in in coming out like i know because language is always changing yeah. does anyone have difficulties in uh telling their experiences to the older generation particularly also when words kind of clock you for what you're presenting or not presenting as that's good that's a good question because honestly when I was uh coming out as queer I had a hard time telling my elders like Mm -hmm. what I was but also I I had this type of uh mindset where I'm like it's none of your business 100 percent yeah literally none of your business and to this day my family doesn't know that I'm poly like yeah. They really don't. And I'm 33 years old and I don't really care if they know or not. Like mm-hmm. it's it's just honestly, I'm not in danger. I'm not doing anything like without consent from others. I don't understand why it has to be their business to know what I'm doing as far as dating or who I'm sleeping with. It's just it doesn't concern them. Mm-hmm. Um and so I don't know if that kind of uh release came from just saying that I was queer and then then being like oh my god my daughter's gay and it's like well you know everyone is but for sure yeah (laughs) yeah I'm like "Mm, I don't know Poppy was kind of like looking at other guys so we can talk about that but at the (laughs) same at the same time you know it's not there's nothing like owed to them but we have this kind of upbringing like we have to tell them everything like it's a report card we like want that familial connection yeah and yeah it, it, a lot of that comes from them being very invasive in our personal life mm-hmm. and them trying to give us judgment for that so i know in a lot of latinx communities that people have been kind of like investigated by their families because they're like what do you mean you're not married Ugh, you don't have kids Ugh. and they just yeah. like go into it and it's like it's none of your business that's my life yeah my body, and I'm going to navigate the way I need to in life the way I I need to and, and there so- is such a gendered expectation too as both uh being femme or mask of well you have to bear children because I want grandchildren and you have to provide me yeah. grandchildren because I want the I want it's it's just basically they want things from us <laughs> like 
and I'm like, I wasn't, I never, none of us asked to be born. At all, ever. I never said that. Those never came out of my mouth. I never came out of, you know, Poppy's PP and I was a sperm and I said, me, please. I never did me. (laughs) I never did that. I said, me though. And then there's like such strange. I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta go. I got somewhere to be. So there's no like, it's such a strange, invasive, inappropriate boundary being crossed by them expecting you to do things that they wanted to do in their life so like they're putting all of this stuff into you and you're just looking at your parents like well you know you're my family so I'm going to look at you for education security love all that stuff well and that aspect I definitely think is just across the board I don't think just like Latin families are the only ones going through that the generational like um uh, passing on of like uh just like personal desires um but I I lucked out on that front all right so like circling back to the uh my dad when I was like six ish um I played with Barbies. No one's surprised by that. Um, and like, and also we all know what it was like to play with action figures, dolls, whatever. We were playing like Mortal Kombat, Scream. Like I was killing them off one by one, like in crazy gruesome ways. Like, but they were fashion dolls. So they were girl toys. So like they were, off limits so he did the same shit in the same closet grabbed my toys that I brought with me from my mom's place put them in that closet out of my reach and wouldn't give them back until my mom intervened so like that plus the books sort of gave me an idea of what it was going to be like to come out um which did not go well and we stopped talking for two years. I uh, moved out of his home. I moved all my stuff to my mom's place. I was 15 at the time. I, uh, I ended up graduating, having not moved back into his place. I, uh, we, I had a job working at a car wash when I was in high school. And he worked there part-time, like, he was retired by that point, so he just needed extra cash, like, and something to do. So I would see him at work, um, and that was it. I wouldn't go to visit. I wouldn't go for holidays. I just, I was like, you've made it clear how you feel. I'm not really going to try to foster anything here. Yeah. Uh, but when I graduated, I felt like it was time that we had a serious conversation because I knew I was moving to Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. I was 17. I was not going to be as close. So if anything happened to him, he was like in his late 60s by that point. Um, should anything happen, I didn't necessarily want to end things on like the worst note. Mm-hmm. So we went to Puerto Rico together. We uh, spent the entire time like visiting our family together. We would uh, sit on the porch, 
enjoy a couple beers together and like actually talk things through and we actually talked it through where I found out he took he basically came out to the rest of my Puerto Rican family for me uh talked to all eight of my aunts and uncles talked to my brother and my sister talked to a bunch of my cousins because he was having this like uh crisis of faith and mm -hmm, yeah like he was like I don't know what to do about my like gay child um and so he was going to other people but like they all said the same thing they were like your kid isn't in a gang your kid isn't addicted to heroin your kid is like safe and off the streets going to college like the only thing that you're worried about is who your kid is sleeping with that's not really your business anyhow exactly yeah so like if you're if your child is heading in the right direction everything's fine Mm -hmm. like this is the this is not something to be worried about and so and he had this conversation like immediately after I had moved out of his house so he had been sitting on this like resolution this revelation for two years just waiting for me to calm like cool down enough to have the conversation like he came to like his own realization that he was wrong and didn't say anything about it until I came to him. Oh, he's never going to bring it up until you say something. Why would but, he? But, he was right. but remember how I uh, previously had called his uh, crocodile tears, like yeah. his crying, like manipulative. This mm-hmm. was a sign that he had information. He did like the, like having to talk to the whole family was a weird thing but it helped him work through it and he just didn't use that information until i was ready to actually talk to him he let me take control of the like conversation um, which i did appreciate um because i don't think i would have been ready to talk to him during the first couple years anyhow because it was such a it was such a life out yeah so scary that's too much at once and you're still figuring yourself out like what the do you want someone to well you can't be cool and collective while you're stressed out about how your identity is presented like you, you can't just be like hey i'm young anyways i totally have like a whole educational like presentation ready <laughs> no <laughs> you're like i'm gonna oh my god am i gay i don't know what the f- that is oh shit do i identify as this i don't know what that is either like you're just freaking out because you're a human and you have all these emotions and feelings and that's so crazy i hate that people expect anyone who's in like the lgbt community to speak upon like in an educational way like we're ready for a presentation we have a dry erase board here and we're like let's just tell you what gay is and let's just tell you what bisexuality is and let's just tell you what pansexuality is well especially now because circa 2005 internet access was freshly commonplace like uh, they had just they had just come up with the rule of no using no citing wikipedia as a source god 
Um, like, I mean, Wikipedia is messy. Let's oh, yeah, it. for sure. But like, well, I'm just. You can't edit as much as you could back in the day now. Like, was Wikipedia a free for all? Back in the day, you could just log on and like it could be somebody like an actor's name and you could just click edit and yeah, free for all it. You were like, Paul like Rudd, now, now when you like George Rudd yeah. or like something stupid. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot more credible now. Like you can't just go on there and edit anything. You go down, it shows you where everything's sourced from. Like it's oh. it's less. But back in the day, people would just like jokingly put memes pretty much on Wikipedia. I like how I was just using this to paint a picture of like the time frame we're talking about. And now it's like a serious discussion about like the merits of Wikipedia as uh, an information source. Listen, She's glowed up. <laughs> She's glowed up. Wikipedia uh, true. But yeah. <laughs> we have so many online sources to like keep one informed on like just the basics. Like the the things that shouldn't require like an individual putting themselves out there to explain and like listen personally i i don't care too much about like explaining the basics to someone if like they come into a conversation offhand whatever um it's when they start arguing and it's like this is our lived experience like you don't really yeah. correct a community on their lived experience mm -hmm. um but uh yeah all of that all of that everything that just happened is just to say like when my queerness was brought into the conversation with my father that's when the machismo came out that's when like a switch flipped he was always like emotions forward and then anything that was remotely queer or effeminate that came out from me uh all of a sudden it was uh aggressive butchness like you can't do that that's like yeah. women's stuff that's girl stuff uh and it was definitely also like based specifically out of the church like his response was very clearly like not it was puerto rican catholic in particular like and we've we've found our common ground now but he's also 80 he's Ooh. not putting up a fight like at this point like i came out to my family again uh for being non-binary and his he was just like chill in the corner pretty much like i don't understand what that means but i love my kid so <laughs> whatever yeah. uh and like that was it that that's like, the best we can hope for at that point like he and my like the puppy on the corner he goes oh it's hot today it's hot today why <laughs> don't you stay mira pas venga aquí tu tienes empanadas that's uh definitely one of my uncles um <laughs> <laughs> all right so we have damien here what's up Hola. hello Hola. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag bilingual <laughs> i know <laughs> hashtag fluent. better than the rest of us damn the only, the only successful <laughs> 
Who feel not- successful? <laughs> get out. I'm more, va- I'm more valuable because I speak Spanish. Thank you. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm like, Foss is doing an amazing job. Liz is doing an amazing job. I'm doing an amazing job. <laughs> I mean, that Duolingo owl gets real mad with me. Oh, said, so- we, we didn't go on Bibble. Stop. <laughs> no, we can't get into this because my Spanish skills are like a deep sense of like frustration with me. Like, written out duolingo anything that where i'm like looking at the language i'm immaculate but then when it comes to speaking nothing yeah como se dice food (laughs) yeah yeah like i i get stranded (laughs) in a spanish-speaking country i'll get by yeah yeah but like like i try to talk to my aunt and i'm just like I, all language, all uh, sentence structure just crumbles. Yeah. Well, and to be you, fair, all you have to know is that you could say Damien, you could say, Mira, Damien un cochino. And that's like, <laughs> <laughs> that's not even a full sentence. No. <laughs> Damien es un cochino. You need a verb. You don't need to add S. <laughs> You can shut up. You don't have to do your soy. You can oh, say soy. here we go. Don't even. Islander versus Islander. We're not. Doing <laughs> <that>. <laughs> you can say soy. Soy de Dominicana. Or you can say yo soy de Dominicana. You don't need to be both. You just sound like a European. I'm going. Okay. Spanish. This isn't about uh, proper grammar here. Or. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, anyways. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. So we're talking about uh Latinx folks who have had a discovery of being queer and understanding their identity in a family household that are holding traditional types of figures and being very what are the responses to your discoveries? What are the responses to your identity? And what are the responses to you like celebrating yourself? Um, can you be a little more specific? Um, so I would say let's pinpoint a moment where you figured out you were queer and you wanted to kind of be more comfortable in your household, which is your family. Mm-hmm. And you wanted to share that information with them, but like, what were things that held you back? What were things that give you doubts? What were things that were like, oh shit, like it's gonna be like a backlash if I say this? You know what I mean? Like those types of mm-hmm. pushbacks for you to give you the the moment to actually share and celebrate who you are as a person. Right. Um, well, I. I definitely knew I was not straight for a very long time, for sure. And this was like way back in like middle school, even where I definitely knew there was like this weird attraction to to just people in general. I didn't know how to define that. I just felt it, obviously. And so when I got into high school, then I was just like, oh, okay. So I, I think I'm gay but I didn't really know like I again I was still trying to figure it out I was like oh maybe I am gay but then I was just like but no because no that doesn't feel right either um so it was like an internal 
struggle with me trying to define myself or trying to figure out, you know, growing into my show, being comfortable with my own skin, because it was like such a struggle for so long. Like I literally didn't fully embrace my sexuality to like literally in college. That's when I was finally able to be like, okay, I think I know who I am at this point. And jokes on me, I didn't know. I still had a, like a lot more to grow. <laughs> it was like yeah. a whole journey, but I was just like one level of like the entire image for me specifically. But in terms of like me um, sharing this information with like my family, uh, it never happened. Like to this day, it just never happened. Um, one, my father was always- how do they see you like as far as to this day like do they identify you as straight or is it like a, a binary individual like are you we don't even talk about it whoa we gotta talk about that it's never yeah, yeah it's so yeah so for a little bit of a background my dad is like super christian and super like everything's a sin it's like you can't do this you can't do that like since i was very little i the word no was the first thing I learned besides anything else, or this is a sin, literally no and sin. And with him, it was all everything like, oh, if, if you know, if you're scared of the dark, that means you did something bad, something's coming out to get you. Yeah, yeah, it was that ridiculous. And so we weren't, we were not encouraged to like talk about our feelings or, or, you know, express our emotions positive or negative because everything was just it always went back to the bible with him which was completely frustrating in in so many aspects obviously and so uh my relationship with my dad was not a good one it's still not a good one uh, at all actually um so this clearly shaped who i am now obviously so i since i never had that father figure or that attachment to like a, a male role model I I had to figure out everything on my own like other stuff that a dad should teach their son I so it's also like okay so now I got to learn how to be like a man and on top of that dealing with like my queer sexuality thing it was so much that I had to like literally figure out on my own there was nobody I could talk to for such a long time and so you know my mom and I weren't really communicating back then either. Like, it was just a really toxic dynamic with my parents and myself. It's always, I was always just like, you guys are not helping me, but you guys are also like super abusive. So yeah. I rather just, I literally shut myself out completely. Like I didn't express like my feelings. I didn't talk to them about my personal life. Like literally it started at such a young age where I never really talked to them about, about anything. Like, you know, I would never even say, oh, school was great or, hey, I'm learning this hobby. Like, not even that, nothing. Um, they, it was very rare when they even met any of like my partners. So when I met partners, only the women I would bring home back then, like it would just be the girls. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even dream of bringing like a boyfriend over because I already knew that I was going to be like, not, it wouldn't end well. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> So, I relate to that. <laughs> I brought a girl home and I was like, we're friends. It's like, this is my, you know, I had to do that before when I'd be mm -hmm. like, oh, this is my friend. And, you know, my mom wasn't stupid. Like, she's just like, but we didn't, she didn't she all right say, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and with my dad, it's like, he was always clueless in, in so many things. So he was always very like, I don't. He doesn't care unless it has to do with like religion or telling me what how what I'm doing wrong or why I'm a bad person. So 
that's kind of like my relationship to like to, again to this day it's like I've never had a conversation with my father about who I am my sexuality or how I identify as that's never been brought up and I honestly don't owe him that explanation either I feel Absolutely. like I really don't no. so it's also like no if you wanted this connection you would have worked on it oh I don't know how many years ago uh, I think it's a little kind of yeah that it's at that point where I even told my mom yo my mom and I had a conversation because my mom and I are close now we're we're it's much better uh we still don't talk about my sexuality but she knows it's like girl I, I was like you you know it's not a face so we're just gonna leave it like that <laughs> so at least yeah yeah so like at least with my dad though it's it was never like again to this day I would never bring up who I'm dating I would never talk about anything like if you gave him a million dollars and be like if, I'll give you this money if you can tell me what your son went to school for or what his hobbies are he will literally lose a million dollars that's how little he knows about me I might as well be a stranger I, in all honesty I might as well be a stranger and so so not non-existent <laughs> no male you know no male role models confused queer boy and trying to understand what a man even means uh, Jesus Christ let me tell you that's been a roller coaster that's it's been quite a bumpy ride for sure and so because of that it also affected the way I viewed relationships with women versus relationships with men I literally felt like I had to act a different way or tone down my feminine traits when I was dating women because I'm just like wait do they not like this should I like tone down the gayness it was it was such a complex thing where it became really frustrating to 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 have like a healthy relationship with a woman and be like okay well are they gonna think like I dress too gay or do I talk too gay or do I walk too gay like but when it, when it was with a guy that that didn't cross my mind so it was again like this whole like daddy issue thing really me up like I just didn't know who what to do half the time I mean now obviously thank god that that's over I, it's like I'm not gonna change my tone or my mannerisms for anybody because that's that's ridiculous at this age girl I could never <laughs> you can't be you, couldn't be you, me uh, is your age now 16 yes <laughs> back when I was eight now I'm 16 life, well, a life together, lived we've been together yeah. for a lifeline so I would say yeah. I think you're about 17 now if people I don't know. see your photos, they'd be like, <laughs> just at the cusp. <laughs> Tagging along in your relationships, Damien, I know you've mentioned also, especially from how like you cosplay and sometimes your cosplays um, are effeminate, that yeah. people will slip into your DMs and just from how you appear uh, young and just from how you present on your content, guys in particular think they can talk to you some sort of way. And it's just... It's ridiculous. Like even on the sides of like how you are in like male relationships, how people just perceive things. Yeah. It, and so I always get a lot of unwanted attention from men. It's always, it's also like either a dick pic or something super graphic about what they want to do to me. And it's like, I didn't invite you into this space of mine, but thank you. Next time PayPal me. So then you can talk. Sure pay me no, next time because no, no. <laughs> what an opener no. Yeah. No. yeah it's also like yo we never met and here you are like thanks for liking my content but this doesn't mean you can like dm me and tell me whatever you want to tell me or show me your 
genitalia that I clearly did not ask for. So it's like disgusting. It's 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 so gross. And so um who in yeah. this day and age actually responds positively to <laughs> unsolicited dick pics? So um yeah. Damien, quick question. Sure. Your parents are still together. I didn't say it like a question, but it was a question. Are your parents still together? They're still together, but they're also the reason why I don't believe in marriage. So we're just going to leave it. Mm. Yeah, well, because <laughs> none of us have ever heard of a religious couple staying together because it's the yeah. right thing to do. Right. Um, uh, Vanessa, what's the situation with your parents? Um, my parents are literally best friends, but my dad passed away about three years ago. Um, it was very unexpected. Don't yep. say sorry. Don't do that. <laughs> it seems uh, yeah. three years late for uh, that part. But um... <laughs> um, honestly, though, uh, they were kind of in it for the long haul. But my mom was more of a radical feminist. And my dad felt very infatuated with that. He like, well, you have to keep in mind too, like, I don't think I've ever shared this part of myself that I have an older sister and I have other femme siblings that have kind of radicalized him because we were like, we have uteruses and we deserve rights. <laughs> and so we kind of just like pulled him into it. And he was like, okay, <laughs> like kind of navigating that. <laughs> and then my mom was like, I'm not going to have a family with you if you're not going to like marry me and like get equity. Like, what the are we doing so my dad was like whoa power fam i think my dad was a bottom <laughs> why why he was a power bottom i'm sorry i'm just saying r.i.p so like he you're so I love my soft power bottom poppy <laughs> i love my dad so much um, so he like, my mom was like a power top and she was like, I'm doing this, this, and this. And then when she had my sister and I, she like left Dominican Republic because she was like, this island's messy. They're going to hurt my children. I got to go. So then she was going to bounce. And then my dad was like, well, what about me? And she's like, well, you could follow if you want. <laughs> I'm, with, I'm taking my babies and I'm leaving. And then he like, Adios. I'll go too. Yeah. She was like, Bete bueno. And then just like left. <laughs> he's like but me but me and then he came over too and then we went to new york and we did our life but with the whole thing of uh my dad being like a kind of like maybe a machismo problem yeah he had his issues mm -hmm. but at the same time he was raised by women because he had seven sisters oh, wow. so whew, you know what i'm saying <laughs> so he came in he was like this is too hot and heavy like i can't <laughs> <laughs> too many uteruses and then they showed him that women can get it done and then like when my sister and I became teenagers adults kind of and we were having jobs and we we're helping him pay stuff because we were like helping my mom pay bills and things he was like well shit women can get it done you know what I mean he was like oh my god and then I worked at his bodega because I was like sometimes people get sick I mean he's a person right and I'm like oh if you don't feel well I can watch the register and he's like no you're like a little girl because i was like 13 or something and i was like yeah but we have a knife here so if someone tries something <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean and he's like bonnie it's not like dominican republic it's america and i'm like 
Yeah, but like at the same time, how much do they care about us? Because I was so aware at that point of how much America did not give a shit about Latinx people and how much they keep, they literally caged us. And this is not new in this current moment where they're throwing people in cages and family separations. This has been happening for decades. And I'm glad that it's being addressed now, but the people who were affected 20 years ago still have the permanent damage of what happened and they were traveling from cuba dominican republic parts of puerto rico because they still didn't want to be acknowledged as citizens of america we can get in that later <laughs> but i'm just saying you know what i mean faust is like <laughs> i <laughs> so like it's all it's all important it is all important um, but I was also asking originally, like, sorry. Basically, the the the. <laughs> I can bring it back around. I remembered my take point it, somehow. Take it back. Take it back. Um, but uh, I'm the only child of divorce mm. on this. They didn't divorce. Uh, my dad died. Right. <laughs> oh but like, God. but that's oh, like no. significantly different. <laughs> <laughs> Because I had two wildly different childhoods, right? Yeah, happening I, at the uh, same time. That makes sense because you you had a divorced parent, but I think uh, my dad died, so my <laughs> mom is like, um, <laughs> yeah, super important, but like, like not necessarily part of the um machismo conversation well not well, part of the machismo conversation the machismo he's not part is he's not suffering from like toxic masculinity when he's when he's not dead. here anymore so like, i think well i mean i lived with him and yeah. the machismo he definitely but he was when he was alive because you know yeah right but he was <laughs> with your mom when he was alive yes <laughs> Um, um yeah so he uh definitely cheated on my mom when he was around he cheated on my mom and he thought it was okay because he uh didn't see it as like a problem in his own way which was really weird because it's like you promised monogamy with this person and you're doing something else you know um but they never divorced i think at some point they wanted to but then he passed away so I have no connection of a, like a type of navigation to see like what it could have been if he was still around and he divorced or they divorced together. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's so ironic that there's such this idea of judging uh, folks in our communities for um, being queer, being just something that isn't quote unquote of the norm of this idea of, oh, well, it's bad because religion or it's bad because of what will people think and then they're perpetuating things like this like non-monogamy yeah. and just not living their truth even because it's okay if i do it but i have to judge everyone else yeah, yeah. it definitely falls in that place where he was like why well, i want to be around with these people and she's like no this is not what i agreed to and it's not like we discussed and so it has become much bigger problem but yeah it's very interesting in toxic machismo where the man thinks he's obligated to have these relationships he's like owed 
this type of like attention. He deserves it, you know? And yeah, like, like being into a committed family, I'm allowed to go and like do some things for fun on the side because I'm owed this. Um, I'm a guy and I'm allowed to do it. Mm-hmm. Can I build on that? Yeah. For a moment. Um, I remember during the part that my parents were still together. So anywhere between 1990 and 1994. But I don't think I remember anything between 1990 and 1991 because I would have been like one. Um, anyhow, uh, there was, uh, so there's an anecdote from my mom. So it's not my story, but there was uh, like the first time she was back to work after having me, uh, she had like a late shift. And she came home. My dad had been home all day. And he was like, great. So uh, what are you making for dinner? She's like, you've been home all day. I just put in eight hours. We're not ever doing this again. If you are off and I am working, you're making dinner. Now let's order pizza. Um, Like, but, um, and then he, he got, he got that (laughs) lesson, mind you. He never pulled that again um but it was like this expectancy that like she as the wife was going to make dinner every day and she was like "Uh uh-uh I work bitch um but then there was also he my mom had to go on like pretty regular business trips they worked for a textile company that was in my hometown but they had factories in like South Carolina they had offices in New York, so she would have to travel. Um, and whenever she would travel, whoever her trip was with, he would start accusing her of infidelity. Like, oh. if it was, uh, like, one of the managers, if it was, like, one of her friends also worked there who was a lesbian, my mom was like, I'm not a lesbian. Why do you think yeah. I'm going to sleep with the lesbian? Like, I'm not a lesbian, but I'm not, I'm hanging out with lesbians. Also, like, why is this even a f-ing discussion? Well, like, like <laughs> what's the kind of, I have my own theories, uh, which I could keep to myself, but um, what typically happens when someone is cheating? They get possessive, they get defensive. They start uh, projecting Mm -hmm. and considering it was every time she would leave, he was like aggressively accusing her of infidelity. It's like, you're kind of painting a picture here for us, especially since I already knew that he wasn't faithful with his previous wife. Yeah. Like there was already a pattern there. So like, that's my theory, but I can't say anything for sure because I wasn't there and my dad won't even come clean about the unhealthy behaviors that I witnessed him do. Like, he'll just deny, deny, deny. No, that's not true. That's, that's not how it happened. Like, that selective memory is oof, quite I the boon. Little, I, I would love to have that. Are we talking about uh, divorces still? Like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, sorry. The uh, yeah. so, like the way that uh, 
let it raise. girl let it out let it out <laughs> one house was totally like just strict catholic and then the other one was like radical feminist uh inclusionary of trans folk not the turf no turfs turfs yeah mm-hmm. um but like uh i was that story was bringing it around to the cheating the uh like this expectancy that you're like owed the liberty and freedom to like behave like a man uh virile whatever whatever um uh uh, damien you (laughs) is a response between a separation when your parents your biological parents i'm assuming that you were raised by your like biological parents um has there been an issue between them two that affected you as a person growing up absolutely one thousand <laughs> percent so um <laughs> i can't breathe anyway <laughs> all all day every day story of my life same okay okay um yeah i know it 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 definitely was a factor for sure just uh for more backstory so my parents were very young when they had me they were like not even 21 yet and so yeah they moved on uh, they moved pretty quickly in the to their relationship they went from like dating to like I guess we're together like to marriage or whatever like they were together together before like they got married like under their church or legally or whatever you want to call it by law and so um they had me and things got really complicated in the motherland and they left me with my grandmother and it came to the united states so oh (laughs) it's a lot it's it's the the u.s and just said air yeah yeah, they left me with my left you as a baby and they left you with their parents. Like that's your grandparents, but like they left you with their parents. Yeah, so my mom left me with her mom when I was literally an infant. Yes. I was left uh so I didn't have them for about 4 or 5 years. So I didn't wow. even know like yeah, so the concept of mom and dad I didn't know what that was. So let's were, start there. <laughs> were your siblings oh, born yet? Wow. Yeah, where were your siblings? Well, by the time um, my mom decided to come get me, I had a sister. I had no idea that That's she so existed rude. until, right. So again, my parents, and this is why I judge them hard because like, it's it's like, you know, the whole hypocrisy. It's like, you guys like always told me how I, you know, how I should live my life and this is not right under the eyes of god and i'm here like you really want to go there y'all because family is so important we left you yeah you just dumped it on elderly like i was literally an infant like girl like i was like i was zero years old y'all realize this right in another country not with my parents so let's so it was a it was a very traumatic experience for me when i was uh young because when they brought me here like everything was like obviously was so jarring it was a completely like different life and you don't know these people yeah, and that's the thing. It's also like I remember vividly because that's how much fucked me up. You know, hashtag yeah. trauma. So, um, oh <laughs> no, yeah, and so, <laughs> uh, it was uh, it was a lot because then because of that they had a very um, complicated relationship with my grandmother and my mom's like 
uh, sisters and bro- like my aunts because they were just like, well, we kind of took care of him for these many years. Yeah. yeah. And you're just going to be like, that's terrible. Being, like, it, I feel like they were so salty that you were taken care of by their family members and they wanted to claim you back. And then you're like, well, I don't know, because I've like been raised by these people. Right that i feel more close to them yeah and then like yeah "Yeah, but like you're my son and then but we don't know you yeah my son and then they're like i don't understand why you don't want to be near me and you're like i don't know you right yeah Yeah. and and so it was very it was very complicated because i mean it's like when you're four or five it's like bro it's a that's a lot to handle yeah you're a baby and and it's also like you know again the whole concept of like having a mom and dad it was very traumatic and it you know it's like again like uh I mean I can be more open about this but like my childhood was a very abusive one like it was just not good like all I all literally I didn't know what a healthy relationship was with a parent until like I got friends and they told me like, oh yeah, like, you know, mom and dad are taking me out because I did a good job or they gave me these gifts or they say they love me. And I'm like, I I kid you not. Like when I heard that for the first time, I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like I, I, I literally did not, it just didn't compute to me that like this relationship that I had with my parents was not okay, like at all. And so that's yeah. when, you know, it's, I was like, all I knew was like pain, like literally all I knew was like shame, pain, tears, like literally that's all I knew. And so it became like such a, such a thing where I, then that's when I started to become again, angrier. Like that's when it became really angry because it's like, I was like, you guys have been giving me all this poison. It's almost like you guys have set me up and failure since the very beginning. And again, then when it, so it was very uh, eye-opening to say the least um when as I started getting older like literally like the abuse lasted for literally like till I finally went to like college and then that's when I found my voice and then it got really bad because I started fighting back and that's when they like it got to the point where like you know I was angry about like my masculinity I was angry about my sexuality I was angry about like not functioning normally like other people that I you know like healthy people that I will see around me and I was very envious of that and it 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 me up so much that you know I became a really jealous person if someone was doing something better than me I'll automatically hate them and it's just like yeah it was so bad when I'm just like yeah like you know it's just like oh like you and your mom and dad that take you out of Disney and to tell you that you're amazing for being alive it's like you and your privilege i hate you yeah 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 you know literally on top of that it's and it's also like it got very weird too because it's like i was also struggling with like who i was as you know being latino you know that that also became and it you know it was like so many equations in in this formula where i was just like i i can't do this like it was just so I was burned out so fast and so young because I was just like, I don't know what to do. Like, I, I can't do this. And um, again, like it, it, it took me forever to figure it out. Like until college, I, it was still pretty bad with my parents. I, I was always fighting them. And I was always just like, I'm going to go party. I'm going to get f-ed up and do these things. Fuck you guys. Yeah. So it, it, it became, it was pretty bad. It was really, really bad. And so, 
you know there was never any sort of like you know because again with my dad he was just like oh you know I'm the man of the house and I'm the preacher I'm a Christian and it's like you know for someone that's like super religious and super into God you sure made a piece of work out of me so what does that say about you honestly it's like you're you know it's like you're a fucking hypocrite and since because of that I hated the concept of church I despised it like I it's it's also like you guys literally pushed me to the other side of everything that like you guys didn't want me to be part of it's like the irony it's just like now you guys got a, like a, a queer like and polyamorous son that's like very open with his sexuality and it's like I'm a, and I'm feminine on top of that I was like another slap in the face to my dad and it's like what are you gonna do <laughs> it's like you know, my my siblings had definitely a much more healthier relationship in comparison to mine with 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 you know with mom and dad. And I'm always like, I can't relate to that. So it's like, I've never invited them to where I've lived. That's how ridiculous it is. Like I've been living by my own for like five six years in the city. I've never invited them to come over to my apartment to check out my life, and they're not going to get that invite. And that's you know it, but again that's that's just how it is and you know part of me is still kind of mad that I had to figure all this shit out on my own it's like yeah. what is a man what is straight what is sexuality it's like it's so exhausting like again I've been exhausted since like five years old y'all <laughs> that's kind of something I wanted to uh yeah, piggyback like- off of about how um we each have our own experience of particularly from being uh queer mm-hmm. we have an experience with somehow unpacking this these signs and this trauma yeah. like at an early age and not even just being queer but even just lived experiences of trauma and then i relate to you damien about how i believe i when i finally was able to find community like when i found you because you and vanessa were two of my first friends when i even came to the city yeah so you helped you both helped me discover being queer latinidad and i needed that culture being raised by a white family i really didn't even know how to be uh latinx and i truly valued that i just wanted the to say was there anything that allowed the two of you for, for any of us also to have someone that kind of we didn't really have queer elders we didn't really have a lot of words to describe what we were what were some of the things that the first beginning signs of communicating in a language that said this is me and what advice would anyone give for folks that are still figuring those I mean we're still learning but folks that are really like baby queers in those spaces particularly uh Latinx spaces yeah so without getting like a little mushy like I, I'm not even kidding when I say this is like a lot of stuff that Marjorie has said in the past where it has like oh wow imprinted. okay thank you so uh, <laughs> I'm trying to be serious and she's like oh. well I just said but, oh wow okay no but there has you know <laughs> You know, I love there were stuff that in the past that you, you know, you said, you know, where I'm just like, oh, wow, that actually makes sense. Or, hey, I kind of didn't think of it this way. But actually, that's literally how you got the nickname Madre, because you were very like. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Got the name Madre because Damien called you Madre. And then you took you took me under your wing, too. Yeah, literally, that's but it was no, it was very uh, it was very sobering to just like understand that there's other people that you can relate to that actually you know kind of 
are there to not just like tell you how wrong you are, but to be like, okay, I, I understand or I can relate to this, but I can give you more information or I can give you more knowledge. I can actually help you. Because again, like with my parents, I was always being scolded. I was never really like, I was never educated. And that was also like a factor. I was always just being told, right, you're stupid or you're wrong. And this is why I was never like given the space to be like, well, let's grow because you're, you know, you're, you're learning and you don't know. So let me like path away for you. And, and I never got, I never got that clearly. So it was very different for me, like meeting different queer, you know, people and people of color in general, where, you know, I'm just like, wow, I can relate to so many of you, but it's also was kind of sad because it's like, wow, so many of us are kind of like a hundred percent. Yeah. There was almost a, uh, camaraderie and finally feeling I'm I'm not crazy yes oh my god yes when when I find when I was just like I'm not the only one I was just like think I'm not crazy <laughs> yeah no, I I literally would cry when I'm just like I'm not alone like I literally would be like I'm not yeah. I, like, I, I, I can see <laughs> It's disheartening to know that there's so many. She's laughing at my pain. Do you see this? I know that so many of us have these similar experiences, but okay, there's I'm definitely, used to it. yeah. But no, I mean, humor is definitely a great way of coping with a lot of trauma. Let me tell you, because that also, it was a relief yeah. to definitely know that I was not the only one that has gone through like hell and back. It was definitely an eye opener knowing that, oh my God, there's other people that I can definitely connect with. And reach out to and, <laughs> and and vice and vice versa um because because again i was just like i don't know the concept of family but the fact that i could literally pick my family like it never occurred to me i'm just like wait i can literally have like my own support and i can pick these people to like this network of you know my own personal network that's could be my own family like it doesn't have to be like blood related and and I was just like, oh my God, I didn't know that this was also a thing. <laughs> it's like hashtag experiences. But yeah, no, it's it, again, Philly and queerness. And I'm so glad I, I was there during those times because I, I literally wouldn't know what I would do if I was like still in Jersey. I, I, I It wouldn't work. So Damien, I have a question for you. Um, I know you and I have both discussed about how we get uh, unwanted messages in our DMs or um, we're in relationships and we don't always have the access to safe spaces that we need. Do you feel comfortable talking about any experiences where maybe there's been something, um, there's been something really unwanted in a relationship and when you want to go seek help for that predicament, it was almost spoken to you as if, well, being a man, you, you shouldn't be feeling that someone's pressuring you in a relationship or that you should be able to handle yourself. Yeah. I think like there is like this default expectation, especially if like, if you're a guy and a person of color that, you know, you shouldn't always be the leader. You should always know what to do. You should be uh, masculine for sure. And, you know, anything crying or showing your emotions or even being happy, is it's kind of like 
frowned upon, which is really bizarre to me. It's always been a bizarre concept where it's just like, wait, so as a man, I, I can't express grief or cry when I'm upset or even cry when I'm angry. So my, the expectation is to bottle it up, you know, and cause more trauma for myself. And then one day just explode. It's like, it was, it, it's always such a crazy concept to me because like, especially with uh, Latin men, it's such an expectation or the norm to be like, you're a man, you are the leader and you have no feelings. You don't cry over things, which is, com it, which is completely ridiculous. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm a human being. It's like, I, I, I just never, I never understood it. And so whenever I had to deal with like, <sighs> understanding my emotions or understanding how to react to certain things. You know, I was always scolded or always humiliated for crying about something or for being visibly upset, you know, and, you know, I can uh, talk about it more comfortably now because like my parents were abusive. And so they would always make fun of me whenever I was upset over something or when I started crying over a situation, you know, it was never like, let's talk about it. It's always like, what are you crying for? You know, type of thing, or I'll give you a reason to cry about, which is like not helpful whatsoever, especially when you're younger. And, you know, it, it was always a challenge to figure out, you know, how to process these emotions. And, since I never had those tools, it was such, it was a longer, harder journey for me to understand how can I cope with this or how can I deal with, with these emotions without lashing out or harming myself or others because of what I'm feeling, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, like I said, I never had the tools or space to, to explore how to, you know, identify myself not just as a guy but you know a person of color with emotions without feeling embarrassment or shame about trying to explore and questioning things either so it was very difficult for sure and obviously it trickled down to my relationships and friendships in general I just sometimes I just didn't know how to say certain things or I would act super passive aggressive because I didn't know how to like communicate in a healthy way without getting super angry or crying. Like sometimes it got that bad to some point where whenever I was upset, I just couldn't talk because I would just start crying. I'll get me more upset. And then I just wouldn't say anything. So yeah, I, I think it, it clearly made things more difficult for myself and whoever had a friendship with me or relationship with me because you know, if I pull putting up these walls or me acting in, in, in a very toxic way uh, made it more challenging for communication. You know, it's like if one person is just not communicating, not communicating with you, it, it can't work. It, it just can't work. It has to be, you know, push and pull point A and B. If one parts, if one connection is just not there, it, it just, it just doesn't work out that way, you know? Absolutely. And it took me a very long time to understand it. Like I still have problems with it too. Like it's not even like a hundred percent gone. Like I still deal with 
certain things and I still have certain reactions that I have to, I, I wouldn't say control, but I, I have to find a different way of behaving or reacting to it, you know? Cause sometimes like something upsets me and I react a certain way like this without thinking. And it's harder for me to just pause and say, wait, no, this isn't the best way to react to this. You need to step back and, and, and go back to this when, when you have a, a clear head. Cause sometimes it's hard, you know, cause sometimes like when you've been conditioned to feel a certain way or you've been conditioned or you've been trained a certain way due to your upbringing, it's kind of hard to rewire the way you think, you know, it's like, I got to go back from scratch and, and try to figure this out. <laughs> and it's hard because sometimes you just don't think about it. You just act. And then you're just like, Oh shit, maybe I shouldn't have said this or I shouldn't have done that. And so it's still a challenge. It's not as bad as it used to be, but I mean, it, it's still a work in progress. So, yeah. Would you say, because, uh, as we mentioned, like we all have childhood trauma. Um, would you say from the lack of the access that we had to speaking with our family, um, what I'm sure um, we've all mentioned also, we, we've gone to therapy in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Was it someone that you confided in that told you possibly therapy would be helpful or did you have a mentor to kind of help you navigate those spaces in, in the road to um, finding the ability to speak your, speak your feelings and to open up to people, or was it just kind of something you learned along the way? I had to learn it along the way, which is really, which I still find it very frustrating. The fact that I still had to like do everything myself, Mm -hmm. like literally everything. I never had like a go-to person or a mentor, even like when I got older to be like, Oh, Hey, I'm going to kind of discuss certain things or I kind of want to figure out this, this, and that, it was still just me at the end. It's like, I got to figure this out. I mean, uh, luckily, I had friends that I could talk to about certain situ- certain situations or the things that I was going through, and I was able to get advice from them. And then I was able to learn from certain people just how they, how they will behave or what they, you know, how they felt about certain things and how they reacted or handled different situations. So just by listening and observing, I was able to learn from them. Sure. But I never had like a go-to person. I never had a go-to mentor or anything like that. Or even now I don't have anything like that, which is, I mean, it is what it is. Um, I guess that's why it made it more difficult for me to, (laughs) to learn because it's like, you're your own teacher or you got to just pull resources from wherever you can and, and try to figure it out. Cause it's like, again, uh, going to my dad would be like pretty much talking to a wall or talking to a void. It's like, he's still the same person that he's, that he was in his twenties, which is really upsetting. And it's really disappointing. You know, the same mentality, uh, I guess you could say, you know, he didn't learn anything. He didn't really change. He's still, his ideals are still the same. He's still very religious. He's still very black and white. He's very closed-minded. So it's like, there's nothing that I can learn from him at this point. Like I can't go to him and ask him about life advice because he doesn't have the answers because he doesn't think that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like his issues are, I, you know, we couldn't relate to each other's issues or, or thought process. And, you know, it's like night and day, you know, 
it's like the moon and the sun. We couldn't be any more different in that sense where um, he's very stuck in his old ways. And because of that, it's like I was that was more incentive for me to figure myself out <laughs> as a person. And it's unfortunate that I still had to do it all solo because that's just how the cards were played. Um, but, you know, I did seek therapy at some point and I stopped for a couple of reasons. So it's happened like twice. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's kind of how it is. It's, there's really no go-to person or mentor, unfortunately. It's kind of just how to figure it out or just ask friends for like help here and there. Would, would you say that you wish maybe there was more access to therapy that would have been centered for, I mean, therapy, uh, traditionally is very, um, only accessible for people that have the money to afford it, unfortunately. And beyond that, a lot of the times the people that are, uh, engaging in those spaces are white. I, I know there has been a, an issue of people finding POC, um, and black therapists that specialize in the discourse for marginalized communities. But beyond that, would you say maybe if there was something that would have been more LGBTQ or queer POC friendly, would you have wanted that space? Or do you think that maybe just kind of like avoiding that and then going into a creative outlet might've been more beneficial to you? Um, would you say that maybe doing the, your content creation and your cosplay and having a space that you cultivated for yourself and you were able to kind of become you, did, did that assist you in any way? Um. Okay, well, I think I think if I had more access to, you know, therapy or, you know, mental health resources, I think if I had more access to that, then my content creation and art form wouldn't be the same. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because, you know, when I, I don't think my the the content that i'll produce would be as loud or as strong as it is now as if i had resources or therapy before because i don't think my voice would be as as angry or as loud as it as it is now yeah um and i think for me specifically when i do content creation it's not just a way for me to cope with things or just a way for me to to let feelings out, it it's it's also a message for people that don't like people like us having our own voice in our own space. You know what Absolutely. I mean? I kind of, you know, it's you know, uh, what's that phrase that says? Uh, oh my god, whatever. It's like you know, tell me you're petty without telling me you're petty. That, oh, that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's me. It's like if you if you if I if you're upset because I'm using my voice or you're upset because you don't like the way I talk the things that I do, the way I dress, the way I look, guess what? I'm going to do it, but 10 times louder and mm -hmm. 10 times more gay if that's what's upsetting you. Yeah. So it's funny that you mentioned this because literally there was like, these trolls found my Instagram account and one said, don't ever, oh, this is something so dumb about like, uh, don't ever put eyeshadow on ever again because you don't know how to do it. And another one was just like, oh, this is so gross. And it's like one, you're so clearly like 
you're you're so clearly full of your own trauma that you went out of your way to like try to attack a complete stranger unprovoked unprovoked it's like so you literally took your energy and time to go out of your way to send me a message with the intentions of hurting my feelings it's like one joke's on you that doesn't affect me you know what Mm -hmm. i mean it's like for me specifically uh people like that is the reason why i produce the type of content that i do you know it's Mm -hmm. like you're upset because i'm doing this this, isn't that okay well you're gonna see a lot more of this now that you're not going to like silence my voice it's like you're doing quite the opposite. You're give, you're literally feeling the fire in that sense. And so that's literally one of the main reasons why I do the content I do. Because I also want to show other people that are not as strong as me to be like, hey, listen, I also get this type of treatment from strangers or in person. And I, I'm still doing my thing because it's like, I don't let people like that have any power over me. You know, it's like, because I know there's some people you know, queer and people of color that they they become super silent and they just disappear because other people are pushing them to be quiet or they're telling them to be to, to be silent and they don't have that strength or that, you know, that support system to to back them up to be like, no, like keep doing what you're doing or no, you're doing a great job because you know, they're by themselves and they just don't know how to handle you know, negative negativity and, and they just, you know, they find it better to just like be quiet and just re- remove themselves from spaces. And it's like, no, that's literally what the trolls want. It's like, they want you to be quiet. They want you to go away. They don't, they don't want you to have your own space. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I do what I do. It's like uh, proving a point and being super petty with people that, that get upset. <laughs> in that sense but yeah I it I do yeah and I also think that you know because of like the fact that I had to go through such a like hard journey from the very beginning that's why I also kind of am no that's clearly why I am the way I am you know I'm I'm very blunt and loud and to the point of you know I'm very clear my message now you know it's like Years ago when I was little, like younger, I, my voice was definitely not like this at all. You know, I was very timid. I was very quiet. I would let everyone just push me over and I would let everyone step on me, you know, just have whatever they, you know, however they, whatever they wanted, they would just do it. And I would just like, let them. And, um, those days are long gone. It's like, I, there's no one that I will ever allow to just have their way with me. It's like, that's never going to (laughs) happen. It's so you know, there is an advantage for sure of having resources and the ability to go to someone when you need them, you know, to figure yourself out as a person when you're younger, for sure. There's a hundred percent advantages to it, you know, and it is unfortunate that sometimes that's why a lot of people become very bitter or very not so friendly, I guess you could say, or welcoming, uh, because that's how they were brought up. You know, it's, they're always like on the defense and they don't let people in, which is unfortunate too, because it's like they're shutting themselves out from other opportunities or they shut themselves out from being in a space that they will be totally welcomed into. Mm-hmm. But since, you know, they're so used to being shut down, they just don't, I don't think they realize that there's 
they are spaces for them, you know? And um, I don't know how I would be if I would have had resources back then. I, I definitely know I wouldn't be as loud, but I also feel like I probably would, I don't know. I, I, I think for sure I'd be less, um, I wouldn't say broken, but I think there will be for sure less things to work on. <laughs> Yeah, like, I mean, I, I struggle also with with the word broken and identifying that with myself from trauma. And it is disheartening that it seems there's a trend with um, specifically men or mass presenting persons not having the accessibility to mm-hmm. having spaces that are directed towards them and navigating abuse or trauma, or just anything for their mental health. But I think it is very clear that you have found a way to express yourself and find community and pride in yourself through your art, which is something that does reflect a lot of specifically creative queer persons. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it is that much more impactful because you have not just to be a queer, a creative person, but you're a queer creative person of color and you're able to use your platform to reach out to other people in, in those spaces that also would have, would have liked to have the help that you wished you could have had. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's a hundred percent it. It and it's like and, and this is why like a lot of like uh men, you know, that are that are older, that's what they have like so many failed relationships with themselves and others, obviously. It's like if you have no healthy way of expressing how you feel or you have no way of like understanding others. It's like you're going to have a really bad time with yourself and everybody else around you. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, this leads to like failed marriages, failed friendships, failed relationships. And it's a big issue for sure, especially mm-hmm. like in the Latinx community. It's such a it's such a thing. And a lot of like the older generations are again, they're set in like these really traditional religious ways. And it's a very it's very harmful. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> to say the least, it's like this isn't helping anyone. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't do anything for the younger generation. And thank God, like a lot of like the younger generation, like they they have the tools and the Internet is literally at their disposal. It's like Gen Z mm-hmm. is so increasingly more woke. Yeah. At a such younger age. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. And it's like, yeah, this is this is great. You know, this is kind of like I, I think there's an advantage for sure now, especially for people of color and well, queer people of color. It's like, you know, back then we didn't have the same accessibility to things that we do now, you know. Mm-hmm. But these younger people do. They're just like, oh wait, I have a voice and I can use it. I can I can do all these things and I can connect with other people that are within my same group, you know. Mm-hmm. Because back then, like, we never really had that. Like, who were we going to turn to back in the day when we were, like, baby gays, like, trying to figure this out? Oh, my God. When we were baby gays, we had DeviantArt, like, and LiveJournal. That was pretty much it. <laughs> it's like, maybe MySpace, but that's not even, like, a, you know? It's like Struggling to find like-minded people help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was, like, completely, it was, like, the stone age of computers back then mm-hmm. for us. It's, like, we... You know, but here it's like, it's crazy. Like now that I'm using TikTok, it is amazing to me how there's a lot of like popular influencers, I guess you could say, or TikTokers that are, that are young, Gen Z, mm-hmm. and they talk about real issues. 
They talk about, you know, sexuality. They talk about sex education, you know, and it's, it's incredible how it's reaching, like, it's reaching millions, literally millions of people now. And it's like, wow, this is like, this is super powerful Yeah, because, you know, and some people understand like Gen Z, like they understand, they, they definitely know the struggles and they definitely, because they've seen it, you know, they've seen things from like the older generation and they're just like, we're breaking a cycle here. Like, this is, this is it. Like we're done. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's definitely a blessing (laughs) when it comes, when it comes to stuff like that. Um, So I think, so I was going to say something, but I feel like I wanted to word this without sounding kind of like weird, I guess you could say. I wouldn't, I don't know, weird or very, not offensive, but very, if I would have had the, the resources from the beginning sure i think in general i would have been much more happier and much more like mentally stable and i i, I try to use the word mentally stable loosely because that can mean like a number of things um you know because some, when someone says oh you're not mentally stable they're implying oh you're crazy or schizophrenic which is completely you know it's it's also very ignorant to say but you know when i mean mentally stable is being more I guess it's meant, meant just healthier mentally in general. Like obviously. not having all the, I'm, I'm using this word lately also, not having all the baggage that we carry around from the the scars that we get from the trauma we get. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. A hundred percent. I feel like if I was able to get the help yeah. and resources from, from years ago, I, I, I would have been ha- definitely happier in general. And I wouldn't be dealing with a lot of, a lot of the trauma that I'm still dealing with now Absolutely. and a lot of like triggers that I'm still, you know, that my triggers will be a lot less and my trauma will be not as heavy as it is now, Yeah, you know, cause now as an adult, I have to work with, a, I have a lot more work to do as opposed to like, if I hadn't gotten help a while back, it would, my workload wouldn't be as heavy. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. I, I can totally relate to that. Um, cause it just, it gets a little harder as we get older and we're still navigating spaces that we wish we kind of would have known about or known how to navigate when we were younger. Cause now at this point it's, it's kind of like hard grained into how, like, it's not, it's not like it's irreparable, but it's just, we've been living this way for so long. It's just a little harder to be like, Oh, I have to take that out of my habit. I have to be more mindful about doing that. It's, you know, it, it would absolutely be easier if these things were assisted and handled when we were younger. Yep, exactly. Because it's like you you just accumulate all this baggage mm-hmm. and then it gets to the point where it's just so heavy. You just don't, you're just like, I don't know where to go at this point. Because yeah. on top of that, you know, right now we're like, we're adults, which is horrifying when you think about it. It's like, oh my God, I'm not a kid. I'm not a teenager anymore. It's like, I'm literally a adult listen we're still spooky kids (laughs) we'll be immortal children forever i mean we're vampires Mm -hmm. so (laughs) but it's like it's so different because at the same time we're still learning Mm -hmm. it's like we're still trying to figure this whole adult thing out because again there's no pamphlet there's no manual it's like there's nothing you know there's no one that could be like oh you should do this or you should think about that at least in my in, in my perspective or in my situation, it's like I still have to figure out a lot of things on my own because I still don't have those resources to be like, hey, dad, I what would you do with this thing that I, that's not a thing? You know what I mean? Like that's I don't have that. So right. I still have to figure out these new spaces mm-hmm. while still 
dealing with everything else that's still lingering from my past. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, it's just a never ending cycle and it's so exhausting. And this is why a lot of us get burned out so fast. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no problem. Just talking about it exhausted me. <laughs> I do love that you have this like person, like you have this kind of, um, it is, it's a really dark experience, honestly. Like yeah. you don't have a navigation that shows you a light to what your family, like at least your like your mother and father, like those two, like those two parental figures are very strong in your life mm-hmm. and you live under them. Like these yeah. are the people that are going to show you what's going on. These are the people that are going to show you what's safe and what's not safe. Mm-hmm. And then they have like this, huge religious obligation for you to be straight and you to be like this type of person that's insane like yeah you navigating all of that is so wild and then you trying to figure out how you can create a path for other people to also be in a community with you who have endured that is nuts like all of that is banana plantanas that's platanos that's mangu that's mofongo that all that shit is nuts (laughs) oh yeah and and and... (laughs) that's bananas take a mofongo no 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 but uh, (laughs) stop but adding to like (laughs) but um but literally adding to that now that i'm more of a put together adult you know i once i became like a content creator like i'm doing it seriously now where you know i'm getting traction and a following and you know i get sponsorships and and paid gigs and it's also like at first i was like oh i'm gonna get extra money great but then i was also like oh my god i i have like actual like followers like people that want to connect with me because they see my work and they see that i'm queer and a person of color and they come to me and they're just like whoa like we kind of wish like we knew uh, we could have you as a resource when we were younger when we were going through all this shit and i'm just like i was like i was like no you're gonna be like i literally like they will tell me this when i was like you know i'd be drunk at conventions that'll come up to me and tell me these things and i'm just like i'm drunk and i'm about to cry in front of you i would literally i'd be like i'm about to cry because i love that you're drunk at a convention (laughs) (laughs) the, the representation matters it's uh we we were looking for that type of representation when we were just blossoming into you know our queer selves so right yeah no it was like such a you know i kind of almost forgot that that was a big deal you know for me and then when i got reminded of it i was just like i was like am i i was like are you looking up to me right now like is this what's happening because they're just like oh you know you're not like for one it's like you're brown like they always connected with that too because they were just like well every time there's like uh, you know, a Latinx person doing stuff, it's always white passing. So we can't yep. relate to that. But you, we can tell. And I'm just like, oh, f- I guess you can. I was, you know, it just never really dawned on me that it's how some people were viewing it. Me, I was just like, oh, I'm doing styling and makeup and 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 all this shit. But then uh, people found more value to that because of like, yeah, my their relation with what they were seeing. They were just like, wow, you're kind of representing us. And I'm just like, am I? I'm like, am I one of the, like, the elders now? Oh my god, what do I do? It sucks because, like, 
when you were asking those questions, what what makes a man? What makes a Latino man? Now, in you being this person who's creating your content, people are watching you and they're seeing you presenting as yourself. But to them, they're seeing this representation of I can be a Latino, I can be uh, a man, and I can yeah. still enjoy the things that this person is enjoying. And that matters so much to them. So you're like answering the question that you had when you were younger, which I think is really cool which is insane to me because i still feel like i'm lost half the time but i'm just I know. like yeah still navigating these spaces <laughs> i'm just like i'm like am i steering the ship oh my god i was like okay goth babies i'm gonna try my best to do this thing for and you and we're still goth babies <laughs> damn yeah so it's like but it, it's too gay to do it <laughs> too gay to function <laughs> but too no gay to function to get a function indeed no nope, but it's crazy though <laughs> but no it's it's just slap it's mean? definitely mind-blowing to me how like this this circle because it's like now like I definitely am more welcoming with my dms because usually I'd be like no one dm me I don't want to talk to anybody but now it's like I need to have that channel open because then I know you know it's not always going to be a creepy man trying to like whatever but it's going to be like literally like yeah. younger people that actually want to connect and want to ask me questions and are very curious and some of them are super inspired like this one boy I literally inspired him to start makeup and he's just like I kind of went out I, want, I kind of want to come out to my parents and I don't know how to do it and I'm just like oh you're asking me for advice this oh is gosh. what it is I was like oh. but yeah but it's it's oh my god it's very overwhelming <laughs> but at the same time I'm just like oh my god I came that's a I guess I'm evolving, <laughs> you know, but it's a never ending cycle because I'm still learning. I'm still changing. Obviously, it's like you never you never stop learning. Like I thought at one mm -hmm. point in my life, I'm going to be like, oh, when I reach this age, that's it. It's like life was like, no, bitch. Like this is this is not how it works. It's like you're forever <laughs> evolving and forever learning. It's like you it's, you choose, you know, now that I have more control of who I am, obviously, as a person and in my life. Now I have the power to be like, OK. I want to go this way or I want to go that way or I kind of want to close the door on this thing sure. because now I don't have like other people trying to mold me or trying to tell me how how to feel how I am you know now if I'm going to start crying I'm going to be like yo I'm about to cry and you're going to have to sorry but I'm going to let my emotions out and then we can talk about it if you're okay oh, with talking about it <laughs> yeah because I used to, yeah I used to be ashamed of like crying because I'd be like oh that's not manly as a Latino and it's like no I'm going to cry a lot now I'm going to cry even more <laughs> Right. Faust, do you have uh, any <laughs> advice in in what we were discussing of uh, yeah. having influence of discovering that journey and uh, being non-binary or did you have any queer elders that were encouraging you being your true self or was it also in college? So I, I mean, in general, despite a lot of quirks and weird shit like I had a pretty blessed childhood like all the negative stuff was heavily outshined by like all the great th aspects um like I my mom knew that I was queer when I was still a kid and like I mean her five-year-old asked for a barbie for his birthday she was like yeah of course i would do that why would i like 
ban gifts. Um, uh, she she had her lesbian coworker who like specifically asked her, "What would what would you do if your kid comes out?" And her response was, "Well, I I didn't think it was something that I really had to think about. Like, it, it, I didn't think that I needed to really have much of a response, but." that it would be important to my queer child. So I guess that's something that I need to think about. Um, but uh, for the things that she didn't understand or didn't have a grasp of, I did have Karen, who was her former coworker, the one that I brought up twice now. She was my gay Obi-Wan. Like the first person who- Her name is Karen really like kills me. <laughs> I really, really hate that, but I also like like that she helped you. So mm-hmm. like I'm like, <sighs> like right. I her, but I like like her. I guess. Yeah, she's not yeah. a Karen. She is Karen. Like yeah, I don't like any of that. <laughs> I like that we have to distinguish that now. <laughs> oh God, Grandpa. Uh, yeah oh my god but she was also like (laughs) frankly she was one of my examples of like how to incorporate masculinity and femininity and like have the these two aspects of yourself at the same time like you don't need to sacrifice one to take on aspects of the other um and she was my first example of like a healthy thriving queer person so when I was like 15 and freshly out she like took me under her wing I was blessed um and like as far as I don't know if it's really advice so much as like there's always the positive outlook that like someone has an idea of what it is you're going through like you will you find friends you find allies you find people who like are going to be able to like help you get through and like that's how that's like your open door or window into like expanding your community like and then finding more people who understand your experiences like none of us have identical experiences but we all have an easy time empathizing with one another um i i i didn't think of my i didn't think anything (laughs) through beyond that point (laughs) you're like end scene (laughs) and um i really need to stop ending sentences with um because it just uh, makes no. everyone think that uh, more is coming. No, 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 no. That was it. We can start. We can start <laughs> wrapping this up I, so we can just have fun. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, everyone. Again, this is uh, Liz and Vanessa, and we're signing out. Thank you, Faust. Thank you, Damien. No problem. My really pleasure. <laughs> this was fun. <laughs> yeah, no, this was definitely fun for sure. Have a green A. Bye.